like Jordan said, it, it's been years in the making to come here, and Christine and I are super grateful to spend the weekend with you guys. We have great love for ooh, great love for this part of the country. My wife grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Her youngest sister went on the church plane in Wilmington, North Carolina. Had another sister went to Asheville, North Carolina, and then she went on a mission team to Clemson. So this is a dear part of the world uh, to us. It's so grateful to be here with you guys. And uh, really grateful for some of our friendships with the campus ministers here in the Southeast. You guys have something extremely special going on here. And you guys have incredible leaders laying down their lives and their time and the prime of their lives to build a campus ministry hand in hand with you. I hope. Your respect and love and devotion to them will grow this weekend. But as we come together tonight, I don't think there's anything more important to talk about than God's love. Because God's love is the very thing that makes us come alive. It's the very thing that changes and rearranges our lives. It's the very thing that called us to, to drop everything and to follow Jesus and to leave our old life behind and live this new life in Christ. And it's our prayer and hope as we study out Ephesians this weekend. That we all come alive in new ways. That we go back home. Changed men and women. Ready to turn our campuses upside down for God. But in Ephesians chapter 3. In verse 14 it says this. If we can get the technology to work here. Does someone want to be a volunteer clicker for me back there? Yeah. Oh. Little spirit fingers right there. Okay. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from the home whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit and your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure and the fullness of God. Make no mistake, God has singled you out and brought you here this weekend. He has literally handpicked you out of the thousands on your universities and in your city to bring you here this weekend to fall more in love with Him. It's His desire that you can grasp how wide Christ's love is. That you can grasp how high His love is for you. That you can grasp how deep His love for you. Like God wants you to know and to be fully persuaded of His love that surpasses knowledge. This love that will inspire you and drive you to do things that you could never even imagine. To unlock chambers of your heart. To give you new dreams. To see visions for your life. Like that's what the love of God does. And Paul is pleading. He says, I'm on my knees praying before God night and day that you will grasp this love that can completely change your life. And this love is powerful. And it's so worthy of our time and of our devotion. And God has wondered, how can I express my love to you? 
Matter of fact, he has this meeting up in heaven. He gets all the angels, all the creatures. Jesus is there. And he says, we have a dilemma. The people that I love on earth, they don't know how much I love them. They don't know how much I care for them. They don't know what they mean to me. And I need someone up here to go down to heaven, go down to earth, leave heaven, and show them how much I love them. Is anybody willing to go and show them the extent of my love? Jesus steps forward. He says, Father, I love them as you love them. And my heart breaks over the lostness of the world. That people are shipwrecking their lives because they don't know of your love. That people are finding their worth and their pleasures and things that are leaving them empty and destroyed. And I will go and do anything to show them how much you love them. God's taken back. Jesus, I know you love them. But you've got to realize like, this, this task is not easy. You've got to go down to earth and you've got to be just like one of them. I'm going to stuff you into a woman. You're going to be born just like they're born. You're, someone's going to have to change your diaper. You're going to skin your knee. You're going to get picked on at school. You're going to get the flu. You're going to have to go through every single thing they're going to have to go through. You have to face every temptation that they're going to have to face. You're going to have to know the full extent of heartbreak, betrayal, what it feels like to be tempted with lust, with anxiety, with depression. You have to know and taste everything that humans experience. And yet you cannot sin or give in to what they give in. Heaven is silent. Jesus wrestles with this. He says, well, God, I, I, I love them so much that like, I, I can bear anything to show them your love. And plus, I'll have you with me the whole time. God says, well, Jesus, this is where it gets really, really, really hard. See, they're actually not going to like you. You have to wait 30 years to start your ministry. And when you start preaching about my love and how much you love them, they're going to spit in your face. They're going to say all types of bad things about you and anybody who follows you. They're going to hunt you down. You're going to be betrayed by some of your closest friends. They're going to put you on a spectacle on display like a criminal doomed to death. They're going to torture you. The worst torture they know. And put you through the most pain a human can experience and yet not die. And when you're at your loneliest, when it's the darkest, when you're at the very worst pain you've ever felt that you could feel, you have to take on the sin of the world and I'm going to turn my back on you. Because I can't have anything to do with their sin. And when you need me the most, I'm going to have to forsake you and leave you. And you're going to have to do this all in love for them. But Father, if, if I don't go, how will John ever know how much he is loved? How will Amber know what she means to me? How will they ever know? 
And for them, I'm willing to do anything. This video clip shows just the real extent of God's love for us. Watch this together with me.
Nothing says I love you like that. Do you ever question, wonder how deep, how high, how wide Christ's love is for you? What he did on the cross says it all in ways that words could never express. And this type of death, this type of love, it deserves a response from you and I. It deserves a change. It deserves an allegiance, a devotion that only a true love like that can motivate and inspire. It says in Romans chapter 5, I'm not sure it's going to pop up on here, but Grant's going to click it for me. But how do we respond to a love like this? Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we're still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. No, for a good person, someone might dare to possibly die. But God demonstrates his own love for this, for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Christ was willing to extend and show you this love when you're at your very worst. When you hated yourself, when you couldn't stand yourself, when you're at your most powerless, low time in your life, he says, I died for you then. I would purchase you back. I would go and show you the extent of my love and offer this to you with the hope that maybe someday you'd respond. That even if you were the only person on earth that would possibly respond to this love, I'd be willing to do it for you. Because that's the depth of my love for you. And God is sitting up in heaven right now, and he's looking down on this room, and he's wondering, how are you going to respond to his love? Are you going to come alive? Are you going to make the changes you're inspiring to do? Are you going to give your heart and check I love you back? I remember first grade during circle time. I was going to profess my love to Kelly Smith. And we're sitting in this circle, and there's this popular country song at the time. George Strait, check yes or no if you love me. And, man, I wrote with all my first grade language I could. Kelly Smith, I love you. If you love me back, check yes or no. And I remember folding that sucker up about 50 times. And I remember it getting passed down. And by the time it got to Kelly, I'm like falling out of my chair. Like, oh God, what, what is she going to say? I just poured out my heart. I don't even remember what she said. Obviously, it doesn't matter. I 
but in a very serious way, God is wondering what box you're going to check. Are you going to check a full-hearted yes or no? There's no maybe. There's no let's see. It's either a wholehearted yes or no. And this weekend, we're going to go on a journey together throughout these lessons and figure out how do you check yes? How do you show that you love God back? This next passage here in 2 Corinthians 5 gives us some great insight to this. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. That he died for all, that those who live should not only live for themselves, but for him who died for them and, what was, and was raised again. It says, people who've come in contact with Jesus' blood, those who truly seen and experienced what Christ's death and what his love is. It says, the proper response is to die to themselves. And to live for the one who died for them. And this weekend, we're going to go on a journey. about what does that really mean? To die to ourselves. To put to death the things that need to die. To deny ourselves. So we can really follow Jesus with a wholehearted response. Because if we're all honest, isn't our own biggest hurdle to following Jesus and loving Jesus ourself? What we want, our agenda, our priorities, our desires. If you're really going to love Jesus and respond to the depth of his love, it requires that we put our self to death and that we live for the one who died for us. He gets the very best of our time, our devotion, and our love. And 1 Peter, as we go on to this next passage, he gives us another insight into this. 1 Peter chapter three, or chapter 2, one more there. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judged justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For you are like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. See, Jesus died to give us a new life, to bring us to life. And our response is, we got to be willing to die to our sins. To repent, to, to, to be willing to give up these habits and quit drinking the things that are destroying our lives. To, to really change, to die to sins and live for righteousness, live for a calling that's far greater than ourselves. To live for something that could glorify God, that could magnify His name, that could change the world. But if you're really going to check yes to loving Jesus, it means that you're checking yes to dying to your sins and being willing to live for His righteousness, to follow His Son, and to be like Him. The last response we're going to talk about tonight is in Acts chapter 2. There's many of you who came up here, this is maybe your first retreat, and you're really wondering, like, I don't know how I ended up here. Someone invited me, I cut a check for 68 bucks, and I was in a car with people I didn't know, I'm up here, and I, I'm wondering, why did God bring me here? What am I doing here? Or maybe even studying the Bible, and God's been unlocking things in chambers of your hearts, and 
you're starting to fall in love with him. You're wondering, what, why am I here? What, what's he doing in my life? It's a little hard to see up here, so I'll, I'll just read it for us. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Peter's talking to a large crowd. crowd about four times bigger than this. And he's saying, he, he just preached pretty much the cross in that video that we watched. And said, so when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And the audience asked Peter, brothers, look. What should we do? How do we respond to the fact that Jesus died for me, that he loves me? What do we do? How do we check yes? What do we do? And Peter in verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, into the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off for our Lord God will call. With many words, he, he warned them, he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized that day, and 3,000 were added to their number. There's a lot of confusion out there of what it means to love God and how to respond to God's love. And at what point do you become a Christian? The Bible is very clear. You want to respond to God's love, you need to repent and be baptized. And that may not be the background you grew up with or the background that you know. It, dive into the Bible. Study the Bible with people this week. If you haven't repented and baptized for forgiveness of your sins, study that out. This is worth your time, your effort, your energy to respond to this because nothing's worth putting off the forgiveness of your sins and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go on a journey together this weekend of coming alive in so many different ways, shape, and form. As we study out the book of Ephesians. I want to encourage you. If you haven't read the book of Ephesians. Please do so tonight. It will take you about 15 minutes to read it. Before you go to bed. Six chapters. Read it. I encourage you to try to read it every single day this week. Tonight. Tomorrow. Sunday. That's where these lessons are coming from. You'll truly figure out what it means to come alive in Christ. Amen to that? Amen. Let's pray together at this time. God, thank you so much much for sending Jesus to us. I can't believe how much you love me. God, how could you possibly know all my thoughts, all my actions, and still possibly love me? How could you know that for everyone in this room and still possibly love them? God, your love knows no bounds and it's captivating. And I pray that as we read the book of Ephesians, as we pray this weekend, as we do Bible studies, as we bond together as brothers and sisters, that God, you truly help us come alive. To come alive in a way that's true and sincere and lasting. I don't know what we came up here feeling. I don't even know what we feel right now. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit can guide us and direct us, that you can... Show us your path that we can walk in, that we can be in step with the men and women that you're calling us to be, and let us be molded and shaped this weekend as we truly come alive by Christ's love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.